One of the highlights of our year in 2019 was spending about a week in Mexico. So when the faces came up on the wall, they were just a little more than faces. I uh, really enjoyed our time in Mexico. Thank you, Jason, for giving us that glimpse of what you are doing. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to attempt to look at a few more verses in our journey through this marvelous book of Philippians. The Submissive Mind of Christ is the title. The Submissive Mind of Christ. It really is about humility. And if I would ask you who has mastered humility, I'll bet you would not have a human name. You may have a few people that you would assume they're humble, but there's one person that I would say has mastered humility, and that's Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. If, in the, in, uh, conversely, if I would ask you, who has mastered pride? Oh, we'd probably be able to at least name a few names, wouldn't we? And we know who has mastered pride. It's Satan. Satan has mastered pride, and Jesus has mastered humility. And this morning, we're going to look at the subject of humility, and I'm going to title it, The Submissive Mind of Christ, simply because we're following an outline through the book of Philippians. The chapter one was a single mind, and all this is under the theme of joy. You want to be a joyous Christian? You want to be overflowing with joy? Number one, you're going to have to have a single mind because circumstances attack a single mind. When you've got a single mind for the gospel, the, the secret to joy when circumstances don't go our way is the single mind. And in chapter 2, we are going to title this the submissive mind. And when we live life, we live life with people. And I believe everybody here has struggled in a relationship. And Philippians chapter 2 is all about relationships. And we're going to look at the model of relationships, which is Christ, the submissive mind of Christ. And it's, you could title it servanthood, whatever. We're going to go through some, some of the grandest uh, verses, I believe, in the, in the Bible. I heard a story from David Jeremiah that got my attention. He rehearsed uh, early in his ministry how the church that he was pastoring was growing, and they decided to, uh, to organize a little bit in, into smaller groups, and, and they, they got somebody in to speak, and his subject was on uh, organization within the church and primarily group and how to, how, how to do church. And their facility was a little bit uh, under par. And they did a lot of shuffling in their, to make this one service happen. So they had the speaker come. They were there, and they weren't prepared and set up, so they were shuffling chairs. There was a lot of chairs to move, and all the, all the, the, the church was helping in this. And the speak, you know how it is sometimes if you're an outsider, you're not quite sure what to do. So the, David Jeremiah said, uh, come on, help. You're welcome to help us. Move, uh, move, help move these chairs over. He said... I don't do chairs. And this is what really amazed me. David Jeremiah said, at that moment, I knew that this was not the man to speak to us about anything to do with church. And he said, I promptly escorted him to the door and said, you're excused. 
Why? He couldn't lower himself to move a chair. That got my attention when I heard that. And I, I doubt if any of us would ever say, I don't do chairs. But how many times don't I even see the chairs? How many times am I not even around when the chairs need to be oblivious to chairs? This message is not about chairs, but it's about servanthood and humility and brokenness. And it's modeled by Jesus. Last message, we looked at some of the foundational verses of relationships, uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. And I'm not going to do much review other than it was all about others. And there's two two ways to live life, I'm convinced. Number one, you do it all about self. You can't think further than yourself. And you're going to be the most uh, joyless person around. Or you can be all about others, esteeming others better than yourself, verses 2 and 3, and you're going to be a joyful person. I'm convinced of that. I uh, guess Alan Roth's being quoted this morning, and I, I told you about one of my takeaways from a seminar that I, that I heard him talk about relationships. You, either you're people-oriented or relationship-oriented or truth-oriented. And something else that I missed in, in that, uh, if you can remember that, he also said this, and, and when we need to de- recognize where we gravitate towards a tr- truth-oriented person or relationship-oriented person, he said, if there's never some, I don't want to use the, the word healthy tension, or if there's, if, if there's never a, a, different of a difference of opinion that arises, he said, you're not being honest. That was my other takeaway from that little seminar about relationships. And I can't emphasize the fact of we need to learn how to do relationships. We need to know how to have a submissive mind. And that's what Philippians 2 is is all about. So please join me in uh, reading verse 5. Actually, I'm going to do I'm going to give a little exercise this morning. For reading of the text, I'm going to have, we got a, a pretty large group here this morning, so it should go well. Uh, you have your Bibles open, I'm going to get you to read the text, okay? I'm going to read verse 5. I'll read it now. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the theme, that's the punchline, that's what the takeaway I want you to have, the mind of Christ. Now what I would like you to do, this side here, I would like you in unison to read verses 6, 7, and 8, okay? And read it with some confidence and clarity and then I would like this side to pick it up from verses 9 10 and 11 and I want you to pick up the pace one tone if you will because it is a it is a tone of triumphant uh, victory what God has done because of what this group said okay are we ready this side all together in unison sense of confidence verses 6 7 and 8 go Okay. Exalted him. Him a name. 
Sorry, I should have got you started on a, on a, on a note there. But uh, I hope you picked up the theme and the tone. Jesus went down, 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 and God rose him up. It was a round trip, if you will. He was, he was in, in glory, and he came down. And it was the model and example of humility that, that needs to be in our mind and our thinking. I read that this... These verses are set to poetry, and it was very likely a, a hymn in the early church. And then one commentator wrote that he's pretty sure that this is what Paul was singing in the prison at Philippi right before the earthquake. And I don't, we cannot prove that, but I'm going to hang on to that thought as a great possibility that he's singing at midnight this hymn about Jesus and his humility and brought down. And if that is true, can you imagine the Philippian jailer in the service when Paul gets, when they get the letter back from Epaphroditus, the book of Philippians, how he got pretty excited when he read the, these verses, if that were the same verses that uh, the hymn that, G, that Paul may have been singing. So what I'm, what I'm gonna do is just break this down real simply. I'm going to put it into four, four points. Most commentaries will have some kind of format that goes like this, seven steps down. And they all vary a bit. I looked at so many and I, none of them really resonated with me. And I'm just going to use four simple points to outline the text that, we, that you just read. Number one, I'd like to just, uh, just park on the thought for a second or two of the deity of Christ. And that's in verse 6. And remember, verse 5 says, "Let the, think like this. This is how Jesus thought. This is how we must think. And it's going to answer relationship problems. But here we have Christ in verse 6. He was very aware of his deity. And it's an important doctrine that we, that we hold dear, that Jesus is God. And I know there's a lot of good people going around knocking on doors, trying to get people to live a good life and saying a lot of good things. But there's a huge difference in theology. And they would not view Jesus as God. And I think if we're going to talk about the round trip that Jesus made in uh, this model of humility and servanthood, we, we must be aware of where he came from and who he is. He's God. He was in the form of God, and it's a little interesting uh, wording, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, for him to say, while he's down on earth, for him to say, I and my Father are one, he did not think that was robbing God of any glory at all. Because he was God. And that's a very fundamental point of theology. And it's also important to remember that Jesus did not lose his deity when he came down to earth. If he would lose it and not have it, he wouldn't be God. So he was here as a man, fully God, which is beyond our, at least my comp comprehension, but embrace that. 
the way I like to look at it is, is he was fully God, took on manhood, humanity, to, quote, veil, hide his deity, so that when he would walk with you and me, he would walk with uh, e equality, uh, uh, an appearance of equality. So he was aware of his deity. Secondly, let's just talk about the, the, the incarnation or the point that, that we could uh, pull from verse, verse uh, 7, that he was made in the likeness of man. So he, was, he put on humanity. I think one of the Christmas hymns says it so well. Uh, God veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. I'm not even sure, is it hark the, her the herald angels, angels sing? But he, he simply veiled his deity in, in manhood. In other words, there was nothing angelic in the appearance about him. There was no blazing halo around his head. He was choosing to become right like us. You talk about a step down that I cannot articulate. I don't know how to, I mean, stretch your mind a little bit. Maybe you have a few annoying mice in your house and you have no idea how to help those mice and you got one option, become a mouse. And, and then be the lowest of the lowest of those mice and let them gnaw your tail and gnaw, gnaw everything. About. And that does not even uh, grasp the Jesus simply becoming a man. And just simply becoming a man, very careful not to make any reputation. You know what, you know what humans are masters at? We're masters at reputation. It is so important to a child what the, peer, what the peers think. And it is so important to the youth. It is so important to the young folks. It, is, it, it seems to be so important what people are thinking about us. Reputation. And I, I'll be honest with you. It's a great struggle of mine. I wish I could say, I have never made or set about to purposefully have people speak well of me. Jesus, he made himself no reputation. One of the best messages that has stuck in my mind comes from a little church up in, up in the hill of Grenada called Laura Mennonite Church. I remember a, a, a brother preached a message Character or reputation? What do you focus on? I've never forgot it. Most of us are so We'll even cover up character issues just what people, to protect what people think. But if only we would focus on character and not worry about reputation. And that's what Jesus did. He was all about character. And he wasn't so focused about reputation we're talking about the steps down that Jesus Christ modeled in humility. So many times we like to be somebody. There's another story I came across uh, that kind of uh, resonated with me, and it's the story of El uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. Never heard his name before, but he's one of the first ones to, to uh, climb Mount, Ed Mount Everest. I forget the year of it all, and, and he he's basically the Mount Everest hero. 
So he would take several trips back to the Himalayas, and in one of his trips back to the Himalayas, there was a group of, of, of uh, hikers on their way, and they noticed it. That's Sir Edmund Hillary. And they said, Sir, would you come and join us, pose with us for a picture? And he said, sure, I'll, I'll. And they gave him an ice pick. I guess that's something you carry when you go up to Mount Everest. So he's in the middle with an ice pick with this group of people that appreciated who he was. And another oblivious traveler hiker comes by and he notices them taking a picture. And he, he walks right up to Sir Edmund Hillary and says, uh, excuse me, sir, don't you know how to hold an ice pick? That's kind of like walking up to the John Deere of tractors and saying, don't you know how to build a tractor? Or the best basketball player, don't you know how to shoot a basketball? You know what I mean? You have the, uh, the, the, the master of the event standing with you, and here comes this guy saying, don't you know how to hold, hold a nice pick? How, how would have you responded? Sir Edmund Hillary looked at, the, looked at the person that gave him his correction, and he said, thank you. And he held it the way that this guy told him. I'm telling you, humility. We're talking about making ourselves no reputation, taking upon, him, uh, taking upon us the form of a servant, placing, placing yourself intentionally under those around you. Do, do you ever want to just uh, be better? a little more successful than those around you. We're talking about the form of a servant and willingly placing ourselves under to serve. The only person I can talk about is Jesus and just watch him through his life, watch him feed the hungry, watch him heal the sick, Watch him bless the children. Even when the disciples said, we don't have time for you. Look at him, take the children up on his, on his knee, hold them close, and just give them a blessing. Watch him. And maybe the epitome of servanthood, watch him. Just before he's going to go to the cross, and he's dealing with all those emotions, he gets down on his knee, and he washes the disciples' feet. The classic act of humility and servanthood. Many of the translations would uh, look at verse, verse 7 and say something about just emptying yourself. Emptying yourself to serve. The, the, third, the third point that I'd like to make is just the, the, the humility expressed in a submissive mind all the way to the cross. As a servant, he became obedient. That means he simply took orders. He was okay, if I can use the ice pick, he was okay with people saying, here's how you hold the ice pick. He was okay with, now don't, don't misunderstand me, never compromising truth, never. In our submission and our submissive mind, it is never okay to compromise truth. But when it's not an issue of compromising truth, oh, oh, for a, a heart of submission. I think one of the greatest verses that is, that is lost in our Bibles today 
is submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Jesus did it. He modeled it. A whole life of, of becoming obedient, yielding, serving. I do always that which pleases my Father. You know what? Jesus was the only person that chose his birthplace. You know, but we usually say nobody chooses their birthplace. He did. He could have wrote the script. He could have been born in a palace. He could have had a pillow. He could have had a boat. He could have had a, a, a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. But he borrowed his birthplace. He borrowed a pillow. He borrowed a boat to cross Galilee. He borrowed a boat to stand in to preach. He borrowed a room up in, to have the Passover because he didn't own one in Jerusalem. He even borrowed a tomb. And he owns all things. Humility. And in that whole process, he was called a demon. He would do a miracle and they'd say, oh yeah, he has the power of a devil. And then when he would teach and, and, and thinking not robbery to be equal with God, make a few comments about his deity, they would say, I know who his father is. I know who his brother is. And he lived that kind of, of voluntary humility, voluntary servanthood. And the, our text this morning says he lived that way even to the cross. And if I can get all, if, if you can somehow get in, wrap your mind around the exchange that he made, wrap your mind around the fact that he was in glory having a host of angels worshiping him, and he deserved every minute of it. And he traded, he exchanged the angel worship uh, for human spit, human slaps. At any point, at any point in his life, he could have blown over a building with his breath. At any point in his life, he could have, he could have annihilated somebody with, with, with just a word, a fire-breathed word. He could have. But watch him. Watch our humble Jesus lay it all aside as he goes to the cross. Watch him at his trial. It's on, his, on, his humility is unbelievable. Watch him at his scourging. His humility is totally unbelievable. Watch him at the crucifixion. His humility is unbelievable. Look at him. Look at him. Look at those who are, are treating, him, treating him so bad. And he says, Father, forgive them. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to write the salvation story, I wouldn't write the script like that. I wouldn't write the script that... He was born in poverty, obscure Nazareth. I would probably write the script that he had some prominence. He would have some success. We look at the, the Bill Gates and, the, and, and, and his crew of our era, and we say, that's success. They got a voice. They can affect the world like none. I would probably write the script like that. But God, in his wisdom, he wrote the script of starting here and going down, 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 down. The ridicule, the cross, the spit, the slaps, the scourge, the lies, the nails, the cross. Last point. 
And this is what I wanted to, I, I somehow I wanted to drive it home. The last point, because of that, because of that choice, God highly exalted him. He gave Jesus a name that is above every name. Every knee will bow to that name. Every knee. Every knee here this morning will bow. Every knee in China. Every knee everywhere in the world. Of all times, eras, every knee will bow to that name. Every person is going to say with their mouth, He's Lord. And that's going to bring God glory. There's a formula there that we can't miss. That's a formula that comes echoing from heaven. It's in our text this morning. And that formula is going to work or not work for you and me. Either we will take the same journey, humility, obedience, servanthood, And God will lift you up. Jesus said that so many times in his life. Whoever lifts himself up is going to be abased. And whoever humbleth himself will be exalted. Jesus said that over and over. Peter said it. James said it. It's just a theme. And I don't know about you. But it's so natural and easy to follow the way of just a notch above the person around us. Just a little better than those around us. And all about self and not about others. And basically, we're going to choose a road. I'm going to choose my road down and then have God lift me up. Or I'm going to choose my... And it can be so subtle... I can choose my way up, and then God will bring me down. Here's the, here's the bomb. We all agree. Should I tell you where it's going to show up? It's going to show up in relationships. That's where it shows up. That's the context. Philippians chapter 2. Unity, same mind, love, strife, vainglory. And then he switches gears and shows this formula. So now what I'd like to do is we close the message. Simply examine your relationships. I like the word relationship trail. I like it. There's something about a relationship trail that speaks uh, louder than any word that you or I can then utter. I've often told you, my family can tell you about me better than I can. Those that are around you can say a whole lot more about who you are. The submissive mind of Christ. How are your relationships? How are my relationships? Now, if you, have a, if you have a difference of opinion in relationship, don't think that, that you're not uh, submissive or don't think that you're not obedient or humble because I'm convinced that, that 
Well, even Paul had some relationship, different opinions. But there's a few simple principles that I learned. Most of them I quote. The first one's from Merle Burkholder. He said, never surprise those close to you. Never. What, what he meant is, you have a relationship, so if you're responsible for a family, if you're responsible for uh, whatever, some, somebody, somebody that's working close and with you, maybe they're under you, don't surprise them. And then he said this, and if there's anybody serving close to you that's, that's over you, don't surprise them. In other words, what he's saying is no hidden agendas. For relationships to work, we have to be honest with each other. We must. You know, I thought about the, our, our business meetings, our renovate. You want to do the, you want, anybody want to redo the business meeting of the renovation? Should I tell you what? I love it. I loved it. I believe today everybody is so happy and okay. Different opinions are totally okay, but we have to learn to go to the table and stay at the table. Never surprise people around you. Be, just be honest and open. Never walk out and slam a door. Never. I remember hearing about a business meeting where the decision was made and a, minute, or a couple seconds later that door slammed and somebody walked out. Never. Also, never walk out without talking. In relation, we're talking about relationships. Never walk out without talking, bottling things up. Never. I quote Frank Reed. Whatever is not talked out will be acted out. Whatever is not talked out will be acted out. And that is so true. One more quote. This is my, from my uh, friend Val Yoder. He said, I heard this at our last SMBI Minister's Week. He said, if you're ever in a conflict with somebody, maybe suggest a lockdown. Where the two of you go into a lockdown and you just talk things out. And you won't eat or sleep or drink until you come out of lockdown. That sounds a little bit radical. And he said he actually was working with two people, and he suggested it. He said, Let's do a lockdown. The one said, okay. The other said, no way. And then he said, do you want to guess who is most fruitful in, in ministry? And then he left it there. So this is all about relationship. Let me close with simply the words again from our text. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let's think like Jesus. Let's be like Jesus. Let's model Jesus. Never compromise truth, never. But somehow have that attitude of submission, humility, brokenness that just is so attractive and points people to Jesus. Let's all stand for a closing dismissal prayer. as we ask the Lord to give us the mind of Christ. Father, God, in the name of Jesus, we admit that we're humans. And this humility does not come natural, but you working in us gives us the power, the strength, the energy, the conviction to model you and 
replicate you, duplicate you. And Lord, would you please give us the power and strength to do that in our relationships. Thank you for the picture of Jesus, which humbles every one of us. And we just worship him and adore him. Dismiss us with your blessing and make us a blessing to others. In the name of Jesus, amen.